book seven part three of laws by plato translated by benjamin jowett this librivox recording is in the public domain athenian i think that we have only to recollect our previous discussions and we shall be able to give suitable regulations touching all this part of instruction and education to the teachers of the lyre cleinias to what do you refer athenian we were saying if i remember rightly that the sixty years old choristers of dionysus were to be specially quick in their perceptions of rhythm and musical composition that they might be able to distinguish good and bad imitation that is to say the imitation of the good or bad soul when under the influence of passion rejecting the one and displaying the other in hymns and songs charming the souls of youth and inviting them to follow and attain virtue by the way of imitation cleinias very true athenian and with this view the teacher and the learner ought to use the sounds of the lyre because its notes are pure the player who teaches and his pupil rendering note for note in unison but complexity and variation of notes when the strings give one sound and the poet or composer of the melody gives another also when they make concords and harmonies in which lesser and greater intervals slow and quick or high and low notes are combined or again when they make complex variations of rhythms which they adapt to the notes of the lyre all that sort of thing is not suited to those who have to acquire speedy and useful knowledge of music in three years for opposite principles are confusing and create a difficulty in learning and our young men should learn quickly and their mere necessary acquirements are not few or trifling as will be shown in due course let the director of education attend to the principles concerning music which we are laying down as to the songs and words themselves which the masters of choruses are to teach and the character of them they have been already described by us and are the same which when consecrated and adapted to the different festivals we said were to benefit cities by affording them an innocent amusement cleinias that again is true athenian then let him who has been elected a director of music receive these rules from us as containing the very truth and may he prosper in his office let us now proceed to lay down other rules in addition to the preceding about dancing and gymnastic exercise in general having said what remained to be said about the teaching of music let us speak in like manner about gymnastic for boys and girls ought to learn to dance and practise gymnastic exercises ought they not cleinias yes athenian then the boys ought to have dancing masters and the girls dancing mistresses to exercise them cleinias very good athenian then once more let us summon him who has the chief concern in the business the superintendent of youth that is the director of education he will have plenty to do if he is to have the charge of music and gymnastic 
but how will an old man be able to attend to such great charges athenian oh my friend there will be no difficulty for the law has already given and will give him permission to select as his assistants in this charge any citizens male or female whom he desires and he will know whom he ought to choose and will be anxious not to make a mistake from a due sense of responsibility and from a consciousness of the importance of his office and also because he will consider that if young men have been and are well brought up then all things go swimmingly but if not it is not meet to say nor do we say what will follow lest the regarders of omens should take alarm about our infant state many things have been said by us about dancing and about gymnastic movements in general for we include under gymnastics all military exercises such as archery and all hurling of weapons and the use of the light shield and all fighting with heavy arms and military evolutions and movements of armies and encamping is an all that relates to horsemanship of all these things there ought to be public teachers receiving pay from the state and their pupils should be the men and boys in the state and also the girls and women who are to know all these things while they are yet girls they should have practised dancing in arms and the whole art of fighting when grown up women they should apply themselves to evolutions and tactics and the mode of grounding and taking up arms if for no other reason yet in case the whole military force should have to leave the city and carry on operations of war outside that those who will have to guard the young and the rest of the city may be equal to the task and on the other hand when enemies whether barbarian or hellenic come from without with mighty force and make a violent assault upon them and thus compel them to fight for the possession of the city which is far from being an impossibility great would be the disgrace to the state if the women had been so miserably trained that they could not fight for their young as birds will against any creature however strong and die or undergo any danger but must instantly rush to the temples and crowd at the altars and shrines and bring upon human nature the reproach that of all animals man is the most cowardly cleinias such a want of education stranger is certainly an unseemly thing to happen in a state as well as a great misfortune athenians suppose that we carry our law to the extent of saying that women ought not to neglect military matters but that all citizens male and female alike shall attend to them cleinias i quite agree athenian of wrestling we have spoken in part but of what i should call the most important part we have not spoken and cannot easily speak without showing at the same time by gesture as well as in word what we mean when word and action combine and not till then we shall explain clearly what has been said pointing out that of all movements wrestling is most akin to the military art and is to be pursued for the sake of this and not this for the sake of wrestling cleinias excellent 
athenian enough of wrestling we will now proceed to speak of other movements of the body such motion may be in general called dancing and is of two kinds one of nobler figures imitating the honourable the other of the more ignoble figures imitating the mean and of both these there are two further subdivisions of the serious one kind is of those engaged in war and vehement action and is the exercise of a noble person and a manly heart the other exhibits a temperate soul in the enjoyment of prosperity and modest pleasures and may be truly called and is the dance of peace the warrior dance is different from the peaceful one and may be rightly termed pyrrhic this imitates the modes of avoiding blows and missiles by dropping or giving way or springing aside or rising up or falling down also the opposite postures which are those of action as for example the imitation of archery and the hurling of javelins and of all sorts of blows and when the imitation is of brave bodies and souls and the action is direct and muscular giving for the most part a straight movement to the limbs of the body that i say is the true sort but the opposite is not right in the dance of peace what we have to consider is whether a man bears himself naturally and gracefully and after the manner of men who duly conform to the law but before proceeding i must distinguish the dancing about which there is any doubt from that about which there is no doubt which is the doubtful kind and how are the two to be distinguished there are dances of the bacchic sort both those in which as they say they imitate drunken men and which are named after the nymphs and pan and silenuses and satyrs and also those in which purifications are made or mysteries celebrated all this sort of dancing cannot be rightly defined as having either a peaceful or a warlike character or indeed as having any meaning whatever and may i think be most truly described as distinct from the warlike dance and distinct from the peaceful and not suited for a city at all there let it lie and so leaving it to lie we will proceed to the dances of war and peace for with these we are undoubtedly concerned now the unwarlike muse which honours in dance the gods and the sons of the gods is entirely associated with the consciousness of prosperity this class may be subdivided into two lesser classes of which one is expressive of an escape from some labour or danger into good and has greater pleasures the other expressive of preservation and increase of former good in which the pleasure is less exciting in all these cases every man when the pleasure is greater moves his body more and less when the pleasure is less and again if he be more orderly and has learned courage from discipline he moves less but if he be a coward and has no training or self-control he makes greater and more violent movements and in general when he is speaking or singing he is not altogether able to keep his body still and so out of the imitation of words and gestures the whole art of dancing has arisen and in these various kinds of imitation one man moves in an orderly another in 
a disorderly manner and as the ancients may be observed to have given many names which are according to nature and deserving of praise so there is an excellent one which they have given to the dances of men who in their times of prosperity are moderate in their pleasures the giver of names whoever he was assigned to them a very true and poetical and rational name when he called them emma or dances of order thus establishing two kinds of dances of the nobler sort the dance of war which he called the pyrrhic and the dance of peach which he called emma or the dance of order giving to each their appropriate and becoming name these things the legislator should indicate in general outline and the guardian of the law should inquire into them and search them out combining dancing with music and assigning to the several sacrificial feasts that which is suitable to them and when he has consecrated all of them in due order he shall for the future change nothing whether of dance or song thenceforward the city and the citizens shall continue to have the same pleasures themselves being as far as possible alike and shall live well and happily i have described the dances which are appropriate to noble bodies and generous souls but it is necessary also to consider and know uncomely persons and thoughts and those which are intended to produce laughter in comedy and have a comic character in respect of style song and dance and of the imitations which these afford for serious things cannot be understood without laughable things nor opposites at all without opposites if a man is really to have intelligence of either but he cannot carry out both in action if he is to have any degree of virtue and for this very reason he should learn them both in order that he may not in ignorance do or say anything which is ridiculous and out of place he should command slaves and hired strangers to imitate such things but he should never take any serious interest in them himself nor should any free man or free woman be discovered taking pains to learn them and there should always be some element of novelty in the imitation let these then be laid down both in law and in our discourse as the regulations of laughable amusements which are generally called comedy and if any of the serious poets as they are termed who write tragedy come to us and say o strangers may we go to your city and country or may we not and shall we bring with us our poetry what is your will about these matters how shall we answer the divine men i think that our answer should be as follows best of strangers we will say to them we also according to our ability are tragic poets and our tragedy is the best and noblest for our whole state is an imitation of the best and noblest life which we affirm to be indeed the very truth of tragedy you are poets and we are poets both makers of the same strains rivals and antagonists in the noblest of dramas which true law can alone perfect as our hope is do not then suppose that we shall all in a moment allow you to erect your stage in the agora 
or introduce the fair voices of your actors speaking above our own and permit you to harangue our women and children and the common people about our institutions in language other than our own and very often the opposite of our own for a state would be mad which gave you this license until the magistrates had determined whether your poetry might be recited and was fit for publication or not wherefore o ye sons and scions of the softer muses first of all show your songs to the magistrates and let them compare them with our own and if they are the same or better we will give you a chorus but if not then my friends we cannot let these then be the customs ordained by law about all dances and the teaching of them and let matters relating to slaves be separated from those relating to masters if you do not object cleinias we can have no hesitation in assenting when you put the matter thus athenian there still remain three studies suitable for freemen arithmetic is one of them the measurement of length surface and depth is the second and the third has to do with the revolutions of the stars in relation to one another not every one has need to toil through all these things in a strictly scientific manner but only a few and who they are to be we will hereafter indicate at the end which will be the proper place not to know what is necessary for mankind in general and what is the truth is disgraceful to every one and yet to enter into these matters minutely is neither easy nor at all possible for every one but there is something in them which is necessary and cannot be set aside and probably he who made the proverb about god originally had this in view when he said that not even god himself can fight against necessity he meant if i am not mistaken divine necessity for as to the human necessities of which the many speak when they talk in this manner nothing can be more ridiculous than such an application of the words cleinias and what necessities of knowledge are there stranger which are divine and not human athenian i conceive them to be those of which he who has no use nor any knowledge at all cannot be a god or demigod or hero to mankind or able to take any serious thought or charge of them and very unlike a divine man would he be who is unable to count one two three or to distinguish odd and even numbers or is unable to count at all or reckon night and day and who is totally unacquainted with the revolution of the sun and moon and the other stars there would be great folly in supposing that all these are not necessary parts of knowledge to him who intends to know anything about the highest kinds of knowledge but which these are and how many there are of them and when they are to be learned and what is to be learned together and what apart and the whole correlation of them must be rightly apprehended first and these leading the way we may proceed to the other parts of knowledge for so necessity grounded in nature constrains us against which we say that no god contends or ever will contend cleinias i think stranger that what you have now said is very true and agreeable to nature athenian yes cleinias that is so but it is difficult for the legislator to begin with these studies at a more convenient time we will make regulations for them 
cleinias you seem stranger to be afraid of our habitual ignorance of the subject there is no reason why that should prevent you from speaking out athenian i certainly am afraid of the difficulties to which you allude but i am still more afraid of those who apply themselves to this sort of knowledge and apply themselves badly for entire ignorance is not so terrible or extreme an evil and is far from being the greatest of all too much cleverness and too much learning accompanied with an ill bringing up are far more fatal cleinias true athenian all freemen i conceive should learn as much of these branches of knowledge as every child in egypt is taught when he learns the alphabet in that country arithmetical games have been invented for the use of mere children which they learn as a pleasure and amusement they have to distribute apples and garlands using the same number sometimes for a larger and sometimes for a lesser number of persons and they arrange pugilists and wrestlers as they pair together by lot or remain over and show how their turns come in natural order another mode of amusing them is to distribute vessels sometimes of gold brass silver and the like intermixed with one another sometimes of one metal only as i was saying they adapt to their amusement the numbers in common use and in this way make more intelligible to their pupils the arrangements and movements of armies and expeditions and in the management of a household they make people more useful to themselves and more wide awake and again in measurements of things which have length and breadth and depth they free us from that natural ignorance of all these things which is so ludicrous and disgraceful cleinias what kind of ignorance do you mean athenian oh my dear cleinias i like yourself have late in life heard with amazement of our ignorance in these matters to me we appear to be more like pigs than men and i am quite ashamed not only of myself but of all hellenes cleinias about what say stranger what you mean athenian i will or rather i will show you my meaning by question and do you please to answer me you know i suppose what length is cleinias certainly athenian and what breadth is cleinias to be sure athenian and you know that these are two distinct things and that there is a third thing called depth cleinias of course athenian and do not all these seem to you to be commensurable with themselves cleinias yes athenian that is to say length is naturally commensurable with length and breadth with breadth and depth in like manner with depth cleinias undoubtedly athenian but if some things are commensurable and others wholly incommensurable and you think that all things are commensurable what is your position in regard to them cleinias clearly far from good athenian concerning length and breadth when compared with depth or breadth and length when compared with one another or are not all the hellenes agreed that these are commensurable with one another in some way cleinias quite true athenian but if they are absolutely incommensurable and yet all of us regard them as commensurable have we not reason to be ashamed of our compatriots and might we not say to them o ye best of hellenes is not this one of the things of which we were saying that not to know them is disgraceful and of which to have a bare knowledge only is no great distinction cleinias certainly athenian and there are other things akin to these in which there spring up other errors of the same family cleinias what are they 
athenian the natures of commensurable and incommensurable quantities in their relation to one another a man who is good for anything ought to be able when he thinks to distinguish them and different persons should compete with one another in asking questions which will be a far better and more graceful way of passing their time than the old man's game of draughts cleinias i dare say and these pastimes are not so very unlike a game of draughts athenian and these as i maintain cleinias are the studies which our youth ought to learn for they are innocent and not difficult the learning of them will be an amusement and they will benefit the state if any one is of another mind let him save what he has to say cleinias certainly athenian then if these studies are such as we maintain we will include them if not they shall be excluded cleinias assuredly but may we not now stranger prescribe these studies as necessary and so fill up the lacunae of our laws athenian they shall be regarded as pledges which may be hereafter redeemed and removed from our state if they do not please either us who give them or you who accept them cleinias a fair condition athenian next let us see whether we are or are not willing that the study of astronomy shall be proposed for our youth cleinias proceed athenian here occurs a strange phenomenon which certainly cannot in any point of view be tolerated cleinias to what are you referring athenian men say that we ought not to inquire into the supreme god and the nature of the universe nor busy ourselves in searching out the causes of things and that such inquiries are impious whereas the very opposite is the truth cleinias what do you mean athenian perhaps what i am saying may seem paradoxical and at variance with the usual language of age but when any one has any good and true notion which is for the advantage of the state and in every way acceptable to god he cannot abstain from expressing it cleinias your words are reasonable enough but shall we find any good or true notion about the stars athenian my good friends at this hour all of us hellenes tell lies if i may use such an expression about those great gods the sun and the moon cleinias lies of what nature athenian we say that they and divers other stars do not keep the same path and we call them planets or wanderers cleinias very true stranger and in the course of my life i have often myself seen the morning star and the evening star and divers others not moving in their accustomed course but wandering out of their path in all manner of ways and i have seen the sun and moon doing what we all know that they do athenian just so megillus and cleinias and i maintain that our citizens and our youth ought to learn about the nature of the gods in heaven so far as to be able to offer sacrifices and pray to them in pious language and not to blaspheme about them cleinias there you are right if such a knowledge be only attainable and if we are wrong in our mode of speaking now and can be better instructed and learn to use better language then i quite agree with you that such a degree of knowledge as will enable us to speak rightly should be acquired by us and now do you try to explain to us your whole meaning and we on our part will endeavour to understand you athenian there is some difficulty in understanding my meaning but not a very great one nor will any great length of time be required 
and of this i am myself a proof for i did not know these things long ago nor in the days of my youth and yet i can explain them to you in a brief space of time whereas if they had been difficult i could certainly never have explained them all old as i am to old men like yourselves cleinias true but what is this study which you describe as wonderful and fitting for youth to learn but of which we are ignorant try and explain the nature of it to us as clearly as you can athenian i will for o oh my good friends that other doctrine about the wandering of the sun and the moon and the other stars is not the truth but the very reverse of the truth each of them moves in the same path not in many paths but in one only which is circular and the varieties are only apparent nor are we right in supposing that the swiftest of them is the slowest nor conversely that the slowest is the quickest and if what i say is true only just imagine that we had a similar notion about horses running at olympia or about men who ran in the long course and that we addressed the swiftest as the slowest and the slowest as the swiftest and sang the praises of the vanquished as though he were the victor in that case our praises would not be true nor very agreeable to the runners though they be but men and now to commit the same error about the gods which would have been ludicrous and erroneous in the case of men is not that ludicrous and erroneous cleinias worse than ludicrous i should say athenian at all events the gods cannot like us to be spreading a false report of them cleinias most true if such is the fact athenian and if we can show that such is really the fact then all these matters ought to be learned so far as is necessary for the avoidance of impiety but if we cannot they may be let alone and let this be our decision cleinias very good athenian enough of laws relating to education and learning but hunting and similar pursuits in like manner claim our attention for the legislator appears to have a duty imposed upon him which goes beyond mere legislation there is something over and above law which lies in a region between admonition and law and has several times occurred to us in the course of discussion for example in the education of very young children there were things as we maintain which are not to be defined and to regard them as matters of positive law is a great absurdity now our laws and the whole constitution of our state having been thus delineated the praise of the virtuous citizens is not complete when he is described as the person who serves the laws best and obeys them most but the higher form of praise is that which describes him as the good citizen who passes through life undefiled and is obedient to the words of the legislator both when he is giving laws and when he assigns praise and blame this is the truest word that can be spoken in praise of a citizen and the true legislator ought not only to write his laws but also to interweave with them all such things as seem to him honourable and dishonourable and the perfect citizen ought to seek to strengthen these no less than the principles of law which are sanctioned by punishments i will adduce an example which will clear up my meaning and will be a sort of witness to my words hunting is of wide extent and has a name under which many things are included for there is a hunting of creatures in the water and of creatures in the air and there is a great deal of hunting of land animals of all kinds and not of wild beasts only 
the hunting after man is also worthy of consideration there is the hunting after him in war and there is often a hunting after him in the way of friendship which is praised and also blamed and there is thieving and the hunting which is practised by robbers and that of armies against armies now the legislator in laying down laws about hunting can neither abstain from noting these things nor can he make threatening ordinances which will assign rules and penalties about all of them what is he to do he will have to praise and blame hunting with a view to the exercise and pursuits of youth and on the other hand the young man must listen obediently neither pleasure nor pain should hinder him and he should regard as his standard of action the praises and injunctions of the legislator rather than the punishments which he imposes by law this being premised there will follow next in order moderate praise and censure of hunting the praise being assigned to that kind which will make the souls of young men better and the censure to that which has the opposite effect and now let us address young men in the form of a prayer for their welfare o friends we will say to them may no desire or love of hunting in the sea or of angling or of catching the creatures in the waters ever take possession of you either when you are awake or when you are asleep by hook or with wheels which latter is a very lazy contrivance and let not any desire of catching men and of piracy by sea enter into your souls and make you cruel and lawless hunters and as to the desire of thieving in town or country may it never enter into your most passing thoughts nor let the insidious fancy of catching birds which is hardly worthy of freemen come into the head of any youth there remains therefore for our athletes only the hunting and catching of land animals of which the one sort is called hunting by night in which the hunters sleep in turn and are lazy this is not to be commended any more than that which has intervals of rest in which the wild strength of beasts is subdued by nets and snares and not by the victory of a laborious spirit thus only the best kind of hunting is allowed at all that of quadrupeds which is carried on with horses and dogs and men's own persons and they get the victory over the animals by running them down and striking them and hurling at them those who have a care of godlike manhood taking them with their own hands the praise and blame which is assigned to all these things has now been declared and let the law be as follows let no one hinder these who verily are sacred hunters from following the chase wherever and whithersoever they will but the hunter by night who trusts to his nets and gins shall not be allowed to hunt anywhere the fowler in the mountains and waste places shall be permitted but on cultivated ground and on consecrated wilds he shall not be permitted and any one who meets him may stop him as to the hunter in waters he may hunt anywhere except in harbours or sacred streams or marshes or pools provided only that he do not pollute the water with poisonous juices and now we may say that all our enactments about education are complete cleinias very good end of book seven